The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good to see everybody. Y'all good? You good to go? It's almost 10 o'clock. Some of y'all just get off the, like, literally just got out of the vans and buses. Everybody's good to go. All right, I'll keep it short tonight. Cool? I got my little timer going here, and we'll keep it short. Turn to Acts chapter 3. So, this morning I went to the dump, which is one of my favorite places to go. Um, You ever been to the dump? Dump is a wonderful place. There's so, many, there's so many treasures at the dump. I found some treasures today. There's, there's treasures at the dump. So I went to the dump. and uh, but, but So you got the county dump, and then you got like these, I think they call them transfer stations, where it's just like a group of dumpsters, you know what I'm talking about? And you pull in there, and you just kind of household trash only. And so that's where I was at. I was at the, the transfer station. And there's, there's this old guy that he's like a retired guy. He, li- he, he lives right beside Snowbird, right beside the camp. And he works at the, he runs the transfer station. And he's, and he's uh, taking care of the dumpsters, kind of looking after everybody, right? And uh, making sure you put, make sure you come in there, you ain't from out of town. You're like, it's for local, it's local trash only. You've got to learn the rules of the dump, people. Before you become grown and start hauling trash off, you need to know the rules of the dump. So I pull in, I always like to talk to him because he's just like a, He's just like this old dude, and he's, you know, old people are fun to talk to because they've lived a lot. They know a lot of things. They've seen a lot of stuff, so I always get out of the truck. Well, this guy comes over and starts talking about Jesus and the Bible and God and heaven and hell and the cross and the church and the blood of Jesus, but everything he's saying is a little bit wrong, okay? But it sounds real spiritual, but he's saying things like, well, not all Christians are going to heaven. And I was like, ah, not all people are going to heaven, but all that's kind of the point of being a Christian, one of the points, like to get to go to heaven, you know? And he's like, yeah, and, I, and, I'm, and he said, but Jesus died on, died on a cross for everybody, died on a cross for the Jews. I was like, man, that's wrong too. That's like part of it. You can't have like part truth. It's either truth or not true, right? Is that true or false? Like if you've got 95% truth, and 5% falsehood, it's just wrong. Y'all tracking with me? You can't tell somebody 95% the truth and say, well, I told you the truth, mostly. As soon as you introduce something that's wrong, it's just all wrong. Y'all tracking with that? So when you study the Bible, it's important to understand everything you study and read in the Bible has a what's called a context. You know what context means? The context is like what was going on at the time. Have you ever heard something out of context? That was like, whoa, what did I just, what was that all about? And then you realize, oh, okay, you're talking about that. It makes sense. And so then context, have you ever had that happen? You know what I'm talking about when I say context. Okay, so, so when we read and study the Bible, we need to read and study the Bible in context because people are going to come along and they're going to tell you things that are not biblical. They're going to challenge you with things that are not biblical. I was talking to my friend Shane Watson, who's a youth pastor here, just this afternoon, or, and we're, or like right after everybody started getting here, we're talking about how 
your generation, kids like 18 to 25 come and work and serve at Snowbird Outfitters. They are in our intern program. They work in student ministry. Then they leave and go to a secular university and their minds are carried away by false teaching about who God is, about Christianity, about the purpose of man. You have to understand what the scripture teaches. I have to understand what the scripture teaches and we need to know it in its original content as God gave it to us. So when we study the scripture, we got to study it properly. And so tonight I want to look at, because y'all, my man today at the dump was crazy. He was out of his mind. By the end of that conversation, I was like, Woo! I like talking to crazy people, but sometimes I don't like talking to crazy people. Like some crazy people are fun to talk to, you know, like people that think they've been hanging out with Martians and been on space travel. Like those people are just fun. Like that's like happy crazy. When you start talking about Jesus and his crazy, that's like evil crazy. And evil crazy is never good, okay? So, so I want to give you biblical truth tonight. I want to give you truth in a very brief lesson or message from a dude in Acts chapter 3. Now, how many were any of you guys here at summer camp this past summer? Not many. Okay, small handful of people. All right, cool. So I told a story. I'm going to tell it again. That's why I asked if you were here because I didn't want to tell it again if everybody had been here. So y'all, all six of y'all got to humor me. It goes good with this text. So this is a story called the lame beggar healed. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried. So there's this girl um, that I went to school with, and her name was Nicole. And I was in about the 10th grade, I think, and Nicole was maybe grade behind. And I didn't know Nicole going into the school year. But the... Um, the t- but our classes, we had split lunch, so our classes were side by side. And the teacher came over and asked my teacher, hey, at the beginning of uh, when we break for lunch, can Brody, can, he, I think he said, can you have one of your students, one of your guys come over and push Nicole? She's in a wheelchair. Usually it's a motor, she does a motorized wheelchair, but it was easier for her to get around school with the elevators and stuff, whatever. I don't know, but it, 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 she needed to be pushed, okay? So, yep, so I got it. I'm going to push her to lunch every day. That's going to be my job, which is awesome because I got out of class five minutes early, all right? So I was like, I was raising my hand like, pick me. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody said, uh, I got a job for you, you're like, mm. you get out of class five minutes early like this, you know, like I'm in. And so... So I got to go get Nicole five minutes early. We got to push. So I got to push her down this hall, down this hall, down this around here. And then there's a, um, the thing that goes up, uh, elevator, up and down, uh, elevator. Okay. Go to the elevator. Then we go down the elevator. Then get out of the elevator. And then all back through the school over to the lunchroom. By the time, so we get out five minutes early. First day, by the time we get to lunchroom, we're last in line. We walk in the lunchroom. I don't even know Nicole. I'm like, hey, Nicole, what's up? I'm Brody. Knuckles. You know, like, and she's, and she's, Nicole's like a 4.3 student. And I was not a 4.3 student. In fact, I have my senior report card. My mama recently gave that to me. And we had a good time looking at it the other day. If I remember, I'll bring that in tomorrow. And it was wonderful. There were several things on there that started with sixes and sevens. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, but I got through. I made it through thanks to shop and ag and small engine and stuff like that. So Nicole was real smart. She went to some really smart person's school after high school. And so I pushed her to the lunchroom. And we get to the lunchroom, and we were last in line. And I said, Nicole, I hate being last in line. I, I like to win at everything. And she said, and she had a, like this, uh, her speech was a little slow, a little slurred. 
super intelligent, but whatever, I don't know what her condition was, but it was her body couldn't function in a, in a healthy way. So she's in the wheelchair. She's real slow with her movements. And she talked real slow. And she said, I hate losing. And I was like, we're going to get along. And so I said, okay, how about, would you be cool if I took us on a shortcut tomorrow? She's like, oh, yeah. I said, we'll win. I promise. We'll win. So we're going to skip the elevator. We're going straight down the steps. But you're going to have, me and you're going to have, we got to get close. You're going to have to ride on my back, and I'm going to shove that wheelchair down the steps. She's like, she's like, let's go. And so the next day, I go get Nicole. I go to the top of the steps. I, I, I run around, and we're running. We're, and I run. I've only known this girl 24 hours. I get down in front of her. She's like, poof, poof. She gets on my back. I lift her up, I got the wheelchair, tossed that thing right off the steps. Because it was like, that sucker was souped up. It had like big, big mag wheel things on it, big knobby tires. I was like, oh yeah, that's like a G-Shock. I tossed that sucker. Go to the bottom of the steps, put her in the wheelchair. We get down there. We go through the line. We get our food. We're sitting down as the first people start coming in. She's like, you guys are a bunch of slow pokes. And she's, she's like talking dirty trash to people as they walk by. Because this goes on for a few days. Now, we're beating people so bad, we start to try to beat our own record. We're like, Nicole, you ready? You got the stopwatch? Oh, yeah. Go. Here we go. All right, so as I start doing a two-step hop. Like, clear a step. You know what I'm talking about? Go over. And then about, about day 10, I missed a step, y'all. I ate it at the bottom of the step. She's on my back. Wheelchair's flying down the hall. She comes off the top of my back. She, like, does a 180 on her face down a really slick, polished floor. And she's making this real guttural noise, like, ooh, ooh, And I was like, oh, dear Lord, I just killed Nicole. Like, what is that going to look like in the headlines? Able-bodied athlete kills girl in wheelchair. You know, like. So I'm like army crawling to her. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, Nicole, Nicole. And I like, I get to her and I realize she's laughing. She's like, ooh, like this. She's laughing so hard. And I scoop her up and I put her in a wheelchair and we still got down there. We beat everybody. It was awesome. So, so a week or two later, I get called to the office. This is not uncommon. This is a normal part of my weekly routine. Comes on the intercom. Uh, Mr. Sutton, yes. Could you send Brody to the office? Uh, Brody, do you know what this is about? No, sir. I'm out. Here we go. So, go to the office. Nicole's mama's in the office. I was like, oh. <laughs> hey, Mrs. whatever last name was, Nicole's mama, you know, whatever. I thought, I'm so dead, man. She's got bruises on her ribs or so. She's found out that I dumped her kid right at the bottom of the steps. This is bad. I'm going south, you know. But then she's like, she's like, I want to tell you something. Nicole is 16 years old. She has never felt normal a day in her life, and you've given her that. And I remember I was like, I was like in the 10th, 11th grade, and I thought, what are you talking about? And she started to explain everybody treats her differently. People are real careful with her. They, like, people get out of the way. And she's like, and I'm sitting here going, like waiting for the bomb to drop, you know, like she's going to lawsuit. My, pa- my parents were poor. My dad, you know, like my mom, when my dad left, my mom's like trying to work two jobs. Like this is bad. It's a bu- we're a bunch of kids. Like mountain people reproduce at a faster rate than other humans. There was like eight kids in my family. I'm like, I'm seeing myself having to drop out of school and go to work to pay for, you know. And she's like, no, it's just cool. She's like, Nicole doesn't get to compete in sports. She doesn't get, and she was really cool. The lady was like, 
It's just a really cool experience. I think this dude in the story is, is like his whole life, he's, it says he's never been able to walk. And you're talking about a society and a culture where a person who couldn't walk was literally a second-class citizen. Like they were put in a position where kind of people had to just give them food and give them money and kind of, and so it was like they were a charity case. They might be super gifted musically or super intelligent or super charming people, but you would never know because they're just kind of set to the side. That's kind of the way their society and their culture work. It's a little different for the Jewish people because God had made provision for them to like take care of people that were in, in needy situations. But this dude, he's like kind of, on the, on, like on the outskirts of society. So people treat him different. So that's his situation. Well, this, these two dudes, Peter and John, this story's happening just a few weeks after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. So like Christianity is fresh at this point. Like it's super fresh. Like it's brand new. People are, like the word is getting around that Jesus was, that the Jesus who was crucified got raised from the dead, words kind of spreading around, and, and, and people are like, hey, did you hear this dude, Jesus? And they're, all, they're still in the same city. They're in the same city. It's called Jerusalem. This is the city where Jesus was murdered. So the word has gotten around. It's a big city for that part of the world at that time, but compared to our cities today, it's not that big. So word got around, and so these dudes are going around there telling people about this guy Jesus so they're just going around telling hey man you know Jesus remember when they killed him guess what he's not dead anymore he came back to life there's eyewitnesses see that dude over there that sells donuts go talk to him he hung out with Jesus after he was already raised from the dead they're like donut man is it true they're taking like notes is it true yeah he's giving his eyewitness account and then they go over here and they're like oh the dude that uh, does uh like I don't know, trims donkey's feet hey donkey man is it true that you talked to Jesus after the resurrection? Yep, it's true. Okay, all right. So they're doing like, they're getting, they're gathering like eyewitness accounts. Yeah, this Jesus, he really raised from the dead. And so Christianity starts to build this movement based on the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus says to his disciples, tell everybody about it. Like, go tell people that I'm alive. And guess what, y'all? Guess what our job today is to do? Tell people that Jesus is alive. Tell them the message of the gospel. So the message hasn't changed. And so Peter and John, eyewitnesses of the resurrection, a couple of Jesus' best friends when he was on the earth, they're going to the temple to pray. So at this place, at this time, remember we said context is important, super big crowd of people, super big crowd of people. So they go, um, they go up there. It says that this guy was laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temples. And basically, that's a nice way of saying he was a beggar. And he was sent outside of the church. He would, he would lay outside of the church to beg because you think church folks maybe would give me some money. You know, like they'd probably be quicker to give me some money. See, see him, Peter and John, about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So they said, Hey, right here. Hey, look, bro, right here. Look, we got something for you. And he's like, Like this, because that's, that's the world he lives in. Like, oh, they're going to give me a penny or a nickel or a dime or whatever. Like, they're going to give me some money. And Peter says, I have no silver or gold. You know, you know, Buddy was probably like devastated right there. He's like, Well, what are you going to do? Give me some, like, what are you going to, what? What are you going to give me? One of them gospel tracks. Come on. Well, you give me some love, man. Because he's like, and he's like, I mean, I ain't got no money. But I got something for you. Guys, got to be like, what is going on? wonder what he's thinking. I got no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, I don't know what went on in this man's head, but verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up. I don't think he believed him. I think he's sitting there, and the, the, the language seems to imply that this guy's sitting there, so just be, go with my man for a minute. Imagine you're this guy. We learn later that he's over 40 years old, I think. He's maybe late 30s, early 40s. I forget. Later, a couple chapters later, it tells. He's like, dude's 40-ish, okay? Like super old. And I wish I could be 40 again. That's why I said that. That was a long time ago. So dude's down on his, like on his luck, and he's, and he's sitting, you know, like this. And he's probably laying. I don't know. Maybe he's laying, you know, like on his side. I don't know. Maybe probably had him propped up. And they're like, he's like, hey, hey, here's some money. Okay, we learn later, there's a few thousand people in the area. It's like super crowded. Like when I, I try to think what this would be like. When I was growing up, we go to flea market on Saturdays. Y'all know what a flea market is? All right, that's good. I'm proud of y'all. Too many kids in your generation don't know nothing about flea markets. That's a, that's a good thing to know about a flea market. So imagine a big crowd of people. And my man's like, hey, money, 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 money. And then the dude's like, hey, man, hey. And he's like, he said, I got nothing for you. I ain't got no money. Rise up and walk. And he's like, that's why I'm sitting here. If I could do that, I wouldn't be doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it doesn't say that in the text. I'm just using my imagination a little bit. But he's like this. And then it says Peter took him by the hand. So I'm just trying to get a visual. You know what I'm saying? I try to get a visual. He's like, uh, rise up and walk. Somebody needs to help my man right here. He's confused, you know. And so then, but Peter takes him by the hand, and I don't know if he, I don't know if he just straight picked him up and said, you know, like, or if he like helped him up, if he was gentle. I don't know. But he gets this man to his feet, okay? So the guy ends up on his feet. This is a real cool picture, by the way, of salvation. So when you see Jesus heal somebody, when you see Jesus do a miracle, when you see Jesus, Jesus do something, or when you see the apostles or the disciples in the book of Acts, it's always a sign. You'll see the Bible will refer to these miracles as signs. We call them miracles. Jesus and the disciples, did, in fact, it says this is one of the first like signs. So what do signs do? Signs point us to a greater reality. Right? A great, like a sign points you to the real thing. You ever be driving down the road and you're wondering how much farther is it? And then you see a sign that says the town you're going to is, say, 20 miles. Okay, that sign is telling me that town's coming up. Yesterday, I, was, uh, I had to go to Atlanta and driving down and I needed some coffee. And I, my, probably my favorite cup of coffee to get when I'm out on the road like that is, other than this one coffee shop over in Waynesville that's got real good coffee. That's the town I grew up in about an hour from here. Other than that place, it's called Orchard Coffee. I like to go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a cup of coffee. So I pull into Dunkin' Donuts. I went to the little thing where you order, right? You go to the thing. You say, yes, I would like to have a large cup of black coffee, please. I don't sit right there and wait for the sign to produce the coffee, right? I know that I've got to go around to where the actual transaction is going to take place. The sign is pointing me, you see what I'm saying? The sign on the road says Dunkin' Donuts is here. The sign at the little speaker is telling you, the signs are pointing to something. And then at some point, there's a greater reality. 
Y'all tracking with that? So when we see Jesus perform miracles, when we see that the apostles, the disciples do miracles, those are signs. They're, they're pointing to some greater reality. So when a man who's blind is healed, or a person that can't walk is healed, or a person with leprosy is made pure, those are always pointing to a, a, something bigger. That's happening for more than just this man to be able to walk. Something bigger is happening. So watch this. Verse 8. Leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them. Okay, listen to me. I want to give you a real cool little piece of like biblical nugget right here. Lame people were not allowed to go into the temple. So there's a cool little, there's some cool symbolism that's happening right there. When Jesus gives this man the ability to walk through the apostles, they, they, Jesus does the work through them. This man can now enter into the temple. Okay, so it's just real, I don't want to get, for those of you that are spiritually minded and you want to go a little deeper, here's something to think about. He couldn't go into the temple, now he can. Jesus, we will see in this story, Jesus is removing that temple over the course of the book of Acts and bringing in a new way of worship. Y'all with me? That, this was an Old Testament Jewish temple. That's being removed. Jesus is ushering in a new kingdom, a new way of worship, a new temple. And so this man who couldn't enter the temple, now he's able to enter the temple. Just a lot of stuff is firing off and happening right here. He goes into, but it says he get up. Like, took him by the right. Let go back to verse 7. I skipped one. Dad, gum it. Ain't got no sense. Verse 7. He took him by the right hand, raised him up. I missed a line. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. The reason I think this is very interesting is because if you ever see somebody that can't walk that's in a wheelchair like um their their legs will it's it's called atrophy have you ever heard this word it's where when the muscles aren't being used then they shrink in size okay so uh, like like we our congressman we just voted in in this part of north carolina he's in a wheelchair his name's madison Cawthorn. i voted for that dude he was legit and he sits in a wheelchair from the waist up, he's this real buff, burly guy. From the waist down, his body is very uh, atrophied. His legs, his ankles, his knees, because they haven't been used, they're unable to be used, and so that's the condition. So this man, all of a sudden, is able to stand and leap. So literally, a transformation takes place. Again, this is a picture of the transformation that takes place when God saves somebody. It's pointing us to a greater reality. We're almost done. Y'all with me? Everybody hanging? Good? You're not? Everybody else is? All right, cool. We'll get there. Hang with me. I'll have you out of here in just like a couple more minutes. Leaping up, he stood and began to walk. Enter the temple with him. Walking. Leaping. My man was jumping. Because if you never walked in, then you could walk. You wouldn't be like, oh, it would appear... Hmm. <laughs> you Like you wouldn't be proper about it. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, like I can walk, I can walk, I can walk. Like he's going crazy, and then he starts running around. Now everybody's looking. There's five thousand people, and everybody's like, Ooh, "What's going on? What's my man doing over there? Somebody's crazy." 
He's running laps around the courtyard. Like he's screaming, he's jumping because he can walk. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. Again, a cool picture when you meet Jesus and he transforms your life and radically saves you. You will not care what anybody thinks about you. It's a cool picture. Runs around. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 9. And recognized him as the one who sat in the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The picture we're being given is that when a person meets the saving power of Jesus, his life will be transformed, in this case, physically, but the people would know. And then what happens next is that an opportunity is given to point people to Jesus through this man's life and testimony. Verse 11, why clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power and piety we made him walk? You know what piety means? Like religious. They're saying, they're like, hey, why y'all looking at us? Now, this is really cool. Because everybody's like watching my man run around. He's jumping like this. And then they're like looking over at them like, what did y'all just, they're like, these dudes are wizards or something, you know? Like, uh, I want some of that sauce. <laughs> you know, like, whatever you just did, let me get some of that. <laughs> like, I can already walk, so you give me some of that, I'm going to be able to fly. You know, like, they're, everybody's looking at them like, hey, fellas, come here, whatever y'all selling, I'm buying, you know? Like, and so they go, whoa, 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 wait, wait, it's not because we're like super religious, this is real cool because people think, people have this idea that in order to share the gospel, to proclaim Jesus, to be on mission for God, you have to be a preacher, a youth pastor, a pastor, or like specially anointed. If you're a child of God who has been saved by the power of the gospel, you can give witness and testimony to what God has done, and God will use you in other people's lives. He'll impact them through your life. The change that Jesus brings in you will impact other people. It's awesome. It's wonderful how God chooses to use us. So they're like, it's not because we're religious. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Look down in verse 16, the last verse. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, that you see and know, and in the faith that is through Jesus, has given this man the perfect health in the presence of you all. They use this opportunity to point people to Jesus and glorify God. I wrote down the main point. I actually wrote down a lot of points. And then I just didn't look at my notes because I kind of memorized it. The main point that I want to end on. Application for me in my everyday life. <clears throat> Listen to this. Application. Here's the application for us. We need to take this and do something with it. Don't just read the Bible and just get smart. Like, oh, I know a lot of Bible stuff. No, we want it to shape us, change us. Like control the way we think and see and feel and move and live and worship and where our affection goes. Application for me in my everyday life. I want to give glory to God in every area of my life. If God chooses to use me, it's for his glory and to advance the gospel. I want to live my life in such a way that it's all about Jesus. These dudes, by the power of God, perform an incredible miracle. And it's a sign that gives them the opportunity to point people to Jesus. God has done things in your life. He's given you opportunities. He's, he's working in you and doing things through you to work to bring about glory to the name of Jesus. To work to bring, about pe- to bring people to a place where through a relationship with you, a classmate, a friend, <clears throat> a family member, 
might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're faithful to share it. Because you're faithful to share it. 18 months ago, my son-in-law in another country that I can't name, we'll call it South Sudan. It wasn't in South Sudan. And we'll call the man Amir. His name wasn't Amir. My son, you can listen to this story. It's in four episodes on our podcast, on the podcast called No Sanity Required. If you, if you don't, what do you call it? Subscribe to that. Prescribe? Subscribe. Subscribe to it. Like and subscribe and leave a comment. I think that's what I'm supposed to say. Anyway, No Sanity Required. We got four episodes that tell this dude's story. Five episodes. This dude, my son-in-law, shares the gospel with him in broken English, French, and Arabic. Guy's a 26-year-old, I think, devout Muslim whose father is an ISIS warlord. Dude embraces the gospel, simple gospel presentation, gives him a Bible. He goes and reads the New Testament, gets saved. 18 months later, right now, he has baptized over 130 new believers in that city in South Sudan. They've come to faith in Jesus. Why? Because somebody shared the gospel with him and gave him a Bible. Believe in the power of the gospel to change people's lives. Scripture's full of stories like this that show us that ordinary people who will allow an extraordinary God to shape and move and change them will then be on mission for that God whose name is Jesus and you'll see your friends' lives changed. Hope this weekend's awesome for you guys. Hope God impacts you with the weight of the gospel and the power of his word and that you're never the same after this. I've been praying that for you.